Coming up on this week's Hogbeat Hour, brought to you by Hogbeat.com and Rivals, we recap the week of coaching search rumors, preview the night game against LSU and Baton Rouge, talk recruiting, take your questions, and lots more. Let's do it! Welcome to the Hogbeat Hour, brought to you by Hogbeat.com and Rivals.com. I'm your host, Nikki Chavanel, the managing editor over on your Arkansas Rivals site. Right now, you can choose between two of the best deals Rivals has ever offered on annual subscriptions. You can save 50 bucks, and we'll send you 50 bucks back for team gear at the Rivals fan shop. So get yourself or your family some new Arkansas gear. Or if you don't want Arkansas gear, you can actually take 25% off and we'll send you $75 to cover the rest of the subscription and you can use it to buy some gear at Adidas. This week I'm going solo dolo on the show with my teammate Andrew Hutchinson out on paternity leave. Uh, Huge shout out to Hutch, his wife Marley, and their brand new beautiful baby Holland. Can't wait to meet her this weekend. Not going to lie, I considered doing the show in my voice and Hutch's voice, but I'm Pretty terrible at impersonation, so we're just going to do this classic style. Um, It's been a pretty fun week on the trough. There's been a ton of Arkansas coaching search talk, but we'll get into all that good stuff later in the show. First up for us and for the Razorbacks is number one, LSU. Uh, The Razorbacks will travel to Baton Rouge, Louisiana for a 6 p.m. kickoff. And they'll be led by interim head coach Barry Lunny Jr. So how about that for a first game as the Razorback head coach for the former Razorback quarterback and pitcher? The first question everyone has probably wanted to know since last week is if Barry Lunny has named a starting quarterback for this week. He said no, he is going to keep it a secret as a competitive advantage uh, against LSU if there are any competitive advantages Um, As most of you know, we get to check out practice for 20 minutes. Uh, It's a little bit shorter this week, but twice a week we get 20 minutes. And despite usually being limited to warm-ups and individual drills, as we were being ushered out of the facility this week, I did get a glimpse of true freshman K.J. Jefferson leading the ones on both Tuesday and Wednesday. So I'm expecting him to start. If you listen to Coach O this week, he's also expecting K.J. Jefferson to start. Um, that shouldn't come off as much of a surprise. KJ looks like he's the future quarterback of this team. Um, that all obviously depends on who the next head coach is and what their style of offense is. But uh, listen to Barry Lunny talk about how KJ Jefferson has taken a leadership role with this team and how his teammates have responded. Well, I think if I think about everything that you would need to know in that regard, what showed up when he took the field against Mississippi State. Um, and then when he had the ball in his hand and just how the team reacted to him, I think that that's both volumes. I mean, take Barry Lunny Jr.'s comments for what they are, but it sounds like K.J. Jefferson should have really started against Western Kentucky. But who knows, if he did, things might be drastically different. You might still have Chad Morris as the head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks. You never know. Uh, just looking at K.J.'s strengths, I think it's pretty clear that he needs to be the guy that starts this week. 
his running ability. Uh, if you look at what Ole Miss was able to do against LSU, granted they lost 58-37, to but if you look at John, Re- John Reese Plumlee's stats from last weekend, he had 21 carries for 212 yards, so he averaged over 10 yards a carry, and he had four touchdowns, and then Jerrion Ely had 140 yards. I don't see any reason why Arkansas can't get close to those numbers with K.J. Jefferson and Rakeem Boyd. Uh, Rakeem Boyd right now is, is looking pretty dominant. I mean, a bunch of his yards have come from breakaway runs, but when you combine him and K.J. Jefferson, I think it should be very hard for the Tiger defense to make a move on either of those guys in the run game. Uh, K.J. Jefferson's passing stats aren't phenomenal, uh, but I think feel like he's th- shown that he can throw it all over the field. He's got a 41% completion percentage. Both of his touchdowns have been on the ground, though, and he's averaged 3.2 yards per carry. That's not too, too bad. A lot of this game is going to come down to the team attitude. Uh, I don't think they've got much of a chance to win by any means, but I think a lot of people are hoping that behind Barry Lunny Jr., there is a team that is wanting to fight in Death Valley. Uh, Lunny has not allowed the players to talk to media this week. He said it's a time for unity. Uh, Perhaps some interviews might cause some disturbance in the locker room, so I totally understand why he doesn't want them to talk to the media, although it would be fantastic for us to hear what they all think of Chad Morris being fired from the team. Um, Some of the players were probably pretty excited that he's gone whether that's because they weren't getting playing time or they just didn't like losing. Um, But some, especially the ones that signed with him in this past recruiting class, they're probably pretty upset. But overall, the team was pretty loose at practice. I liked what I saw from them. We didn't get to see much, uh, but I saw Jack Lindsay and John Stephen Jones running around all excited and being hyped up. I saw Ben Hicks looking pretty excited to uh, run the scout team. Uh, pretending to be Heisman frontrunner Joe Burrow. Uh, Barry Lunny just wants to see the best, quote-unquote, football from these guys that they've played all season. I don't really know what goals that means or what that looks like, but he wants to see the best effort out of them. And he might be the guy to lead them to do that, although they're still being led by Joe Craddock and John Chavis as the coordinators until the end of the season. As far as injuries go, Arkansas is looking pretty healthy. That was the goal after the bye week. Uh, Kick returner extraordinaire Devion Warren is still out, though, with the ankle injury. So I hope Traylon Burks isn't going to kill himself this weekend doing kick return. Um, But Bumper Pool is back after a shoulder injury. And Kirby Adcock on the offensive line is back as well, which is nice. They don't sub too much, but at least Shane Clennon won't be the backup at multiple positions. I don't want to get too much into LSU. I'll have Jarrett Roser from TigerDetails.com coming up next, but LSU is obviously dominating the majority of their opponents. If you look at their schedule, I mean, they've just, they've had quite the test this season, and, they, and they're still undefeated. They played Texas to the wire to start the season. Uh, they beat Florida, who was, I want to say, like number six in the nation when they beat them. Um, They beat Auburn, who has a very, very um, stacked defensive line. So that was their lowest scoring game of the season with just 23 points scored for the Tigers. But 
Arkansas's defensive line is not the Auburn defensive line, so I wouldn't expect something like that. Uh, and then LSU and Alabama took it down to a five-point game. So it's been a crazy schedule for the, for the LSU Tigers. This is probably just kind of a walkover game until LSU goes to play Texas A&M um, next weekend. But, you know, they've, they've still got to play, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Joe Burrow is looking fantastic. I mean, from a guy who, you know, didn't look like much of an NFL prospect last season, the Ohio native has thrown 38 touchdowns with just six interceptions. That's an incredible ratio right there. Um, He's got over 36,000 yards. And in conference play, he has a 77.9 completion percentage. So he's making some incredible decisions. He's got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who has been a very nice complimentary piece back there in the backfield. He is a Baton Rouge native, so he's as Louisiana as it gets. He's got almost 1,000 yards on the season and 12 touchdowns, and he's averaging 6.1 yards per carry. One of my favorite LSU wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, I own him on my fantasy team, and he helps me out a lot every week. But, you know, pairing him up with Jamar Chase and those guys, uh, they're, they're going to be pretty hard for the Arkansas defense to defend. Uh, the coverage of the Arkansas secondary might be their strongest point, but uh, I, I would expect Arkansas to work in some younger guys back there given it's, you know, the season's running out and it's about that time. But we'll see how long the veterans stay in the game. I say veterans, but they're all pretty young anyways. The LSU defense you know, giving up more points than usual this season, but still very stout. Uh, once again, KJ Jefferson is going to be a big key. If he can get it going with his legs, I think Arkansas might stand a chance of not being totally embarrassed down in Death Valley. Coming up, I'm going to have Jarrett Roser from Tiger Details to walk you through this pretty historic LSU season that they've got going. Stay with us. All right, everybody, I'm here with TigerDetails.com's Jarrett Roser. Jarrett, you are an all-Louisiana guy. I know that for a fact. <laughs> How's it been covering the number one team in the nation? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's fun. Um, I've been around LSU for uh, for a while in a variety of capacities. Um, grew up in New Orleans area, ended up coming to the university uh, for my degree after Hurricane Katrina decided uh, that I, I needed to leave New Orleans, which was not my original plan, um, but had a chance to be around during that 2007 national championship run um, as a student journalist at the Daily Reveille student newspaper, um, and then have worked some different publications around Louisiana for years, obviously the past year and a half at Tiger Details, um, and it's it's just been a I mean, a special time to be around campus, um, a little bit more detached from it now, um, just, you know, years deep into the journalism career than I would have been the last time LSU was in this sort of position. Um, but the, I mean, the energy and the excitement is, is certainly fun to be around from the, the team and the fan base and just, just kind of anyone you run into right now. How has all this kind of 
magic lined up all at the same time this season. Last season, I mean, they were obviously pretty good, but this year's team is just unstoppable. Yeah, uh, certainly on the offensive side of the football. Um, you saw some flashes of some things late last season with the way uh, they were able to to close out the year down the stretch in some of those late regular season games in November and then certainly the bowl performance um, out in, in Arizona against UCF. You saw some things start to fall in place for for Joe Burrow. Um, I mean, folks have to remember he, he arrived over the summer. And so, uh, and he actually entered last fall still technically in a, a little bit of a quarterback battle with, with Justin McMillan. And so it took some time for him to get adjusted, for the team to get adjusted to him and him to be able to take the kind of leadership that he's been able to show this year. Um, just, I mean, some of the relationships with him and those young receivers um, a year ago, Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall Jr. were, uh, were just true freshmen. Um, I mean, in the backfield, uh, you had Nick Brosette, which uh, was was huge to have him take over, but he was a little bit of a different running back from what they were used to in years past with uh, Jeremy Hill, Leonard Fournette, Darius Geis. Um, and so it, it took them a little bit of time, and they were able to, like I said, start clicking a little bit more late. And then when you go into the offseason of bringing so many of those guys back together, uh, most of that offensive line, back along with them and then you bring in Joe Brady obviously the assistant from the New Orleans Saints mm-hmm. uh, who, who was able to uh, to bring in kind of evaluate where they were from a personnel standpoint and bring in some of some of his background with that that professional playbook and uh, I mean they they felt good over the summer with the work that they were putting in and just hit the ground running right off right off the bat on on that side of the football um, starting this fall and you've seen it it's I think it's I've been telling people a little bit of you've seen what to expect from LSU moving forward in terms of a much different offense from what we've ever seen from the program before. But this year with this group in particular um, is is just such a special group uh, with the way that Joe leads this Joe Burrow leads this team and and runs the offense that uh, even with some some good-looking offenses in years to come uh, compared to what we've seen in the past. Uh, this one will, will probably be one that stands out for a really long time. I mean, Joe looks like, a, you know, the front-runner for the Heisman. Does he have any weaknesses? Um, I mean, nobody's perfect, but what's what's been exceptional about him is – is just how efficient he's been um, in his decision-making and in his passing. He was very familiar with this offense from his history running a, a similar offense in some ways, at least with regards to the RPO decision-making process for a, a quarterback um, through his, his high school days, all those numbers that people heard about when he was transferring from Ohio State uh, were uh, were racked up in high school in a, in a similar offense to what he's running now. And so there was a, a comfort level there. And I think he makes really good decisions when to, when to pass, where to pass to, uh, when to, when to pull it, where the ball needs to be on any given play. Uh, and then when it's time to throw, he's, he's been able to, 
get it there and, and get it to guys in stride, whether he's got a little bit of time, which he's had more of this year than, than last year. Uh, but he's also performed very well under pressure. Um, you know, one of the highest quarterback ratings in the country under pressure, um, if not the highest. I mean, look at it every every week against the quarterback that he's going against, and it's always head and shoulders above anyone else that we're seeing in the SEC at the moment. Um, and people look at their incorporation of the, the screen game and the short passing game and how much that's helped. But his, I mean, his percentages downfield have been as good as anyone in the country. Uh, they have to be, if you're going to complete almost 80% of your passes, which is just such a ridiculous number. Uh, and so that ability to usually, other than what we saw in the fourth quarter in Oxford against Ole Miss, uh, limit turnovers and, and to make the most of all those opportunities and, uh, it's it's going to pan out pretty well for a program that has always had playmakers at, at wide receiver and, and running back, and now they've got a guy who's been just, I mean, surgical with his his ability to to get them the ball uh, where it needs to be. Numbers wise, it doesn't look like the LSU defense has been quite as stingy allowing points this season, but I mean, y'all have had one of the toughest schedules out there playing against some of the best teams in the nation. Is that mostly what it has to do with? Is there a bunch of youth? I don't think there's too many. I know you got the former number one prospect in the nation back there, um, but what's been the difference this year with the defense? Or is it just the offense, you know, scoring, getting off the field and putting the defense back on a lot? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things, of, of really – everything you just said they, they have played a really tough schedule um they've played some teams that are going to be able to to score some points um in spots against against anyone um and they with the new offense have had to defend more possessions per game than what you've historically seen from from an lsu team and so when you're suddenly putting opposing offenses uh on the field potentially 17, 18 possessions a game instead of 11 or 12, there's going to be, a, you know, some more yards racked up and, and some more points. Um, you've seen the second halves have been uh, particularly problematic for, for LSU in some of the games where, where the defensive performances haven't been as strong overall. And so maybe it kind of, uh, it's worn them out a, a little bit at times, although they'll kind of brush aside that factor um, because of some of the depth that they have on the defensive side of the football and the ability to, to rotate also, you know, some personnel more than they, they had a chance to last year. Um, but, you know, so those are, those are some factors that we're going to make some of the, the defensive, you know, metrics or, or barometers um, that you're judging them by look a little bit different, but at the same time, they've had some days where, they just they don't look as good as as what they should considering the amount of talent on that side of the football. And this past week against Ole Miss was one of those where uh, they I mean they just got gashed all over the field in that second half. Uh, they they didn't do a good job containing um, you know the the perimeter that the defensive front didn't do a good job containing. Uh, they had some guys at that linebacker level start um, playing a little bit outside of the defensive team scheme and, mm-hmm. and being poorly disciplined um, in their gaps and, and it opens some things up. And then Grant Delpit's been a little bit slowed with an ankle. Uh, and, and so once 
the speed of that Ole Miss defense was able to, I mean, uh, that Ole Miss backfield was able to get into that next level of the defense. It was a lot more, uh, a lot more difficult to, to chase them down than, than maybe a, a healthier Grant Delpit and, and some of those guys would have been able to. But uh, they certainly have some things that they've been working on this week, and some of them have have been some things that have plagued them throughout the year uh, that, that they're going to have to improve upon by the time that bowl season comes around. Um, but yeah, again, it's just kind of a, a combination of a lot of different factors, some within their control and some not so much. I know that I think Grant Delpit will sit this game and maybe starting left tackle, maybe some other guys, but um, I think it might be a waste of time to ask what you think the outcome of this game will be. But they, they do have a, a historically large spread this weekend. Uh, right now it's at uh, LSU by 44. If you had money, you may, maybe you do, maybe you don't, I don't know. Um, wh- where would you put your money this game? Yeah, they, they've, even with some of their struggles on defense, have done a pretty good job of covering spreads uh, throughout the year. It seems like... Every Saturday, regardless of of what what that spread looked like going in, we end up realizing Saturday night that Las Vegas is pretty good at what they do, um, and so I think it has the potential certainly to be right around that number. Um, and if I had to pick one, I, I probably do take them to to cover. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how how some things play out with regards to you know does a guy like Grant Delpit play um that there are a few guys like that that they're being they're kind of holding off on making a decision until closer to game time but I, I do think that they end up being more precautious with them um how much of his game does Joe Burrow play uh, is he is he done by halftime or, or is he playing deeper into the third quarter or so um you, you saw Saturday that they can have some trouble containing the run at times, and Rakeem Boyd is uh, one of the more talented players on the offensive side of the football in the SEC, despite you know some some overall team struggles uh, up that way this year. He's he's somebody that if if LSU doesn't play better defensively than what they did a week ago, he can hurt them on some big plays. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to see how some of the the game plays out. But I think uh, if if you have to go one way or the or the other. I, I think that LSU probably does ultimately cover that big spread. All right. Thanks so much, Jared. I really appreciate you and the whole site. I know y'all will help us out a little bit this weekend as I am not making the trip down to Baton Rouge, even though I would love to see Death Valley at night. Sounds amazing. Yeah, Nikki, uh, anything we can do to help, always a pleasure. Appreciate you. Thank you. Have a good one. Sometimes it's hard to believe it could be worse. It could be worse. It could be. You could be riding in the back of a blacked out hearse. It could be worse. It could be. Well, it could be worse. It could be. You might be working nine to five, but at least you're still alive. Take me away. Take me. Take me away. Take me. Away. Moving on to the Arkansas head coaching search. Not that the last two games of this season aren't important, but I know everyone. Based on the clicks I'm getting on any LSU game story I've written this this week, all anyone cares about is this coaching search. Starting with what we heard this morning from Football Scoop. Now, I, I know the guys at Football Scoop. I know they do their due diligence when it comes to talking to sources. But this morning, uh, they posted that 
Arkansas had met with Memphis head coach Mike Norvell. As everyone knows, Norvell is at the top of the list, not just for Arkansas, but for other programs as well, like Florida State. Uh, any other position that comes open in the country is probably going to look at Mike Norvell based on his 35-15 and 15 record with a 9-1 season this year. He has them ranked at number 17 in the country. He is one of the best coaches out there. He's also a former Central Arkansas wide receiver. So uh, he, he's got some ties to the state of Arkansas. They said that he's been in contact with Arkansas, which is not a surprise, but I don't know how recent this information is because a lot of people have said that uh, Mike Norvell wouldn't be very Arkansas, very, wouldn't be very interested in the Arkansas job because of how big of a rebuild it might be. But another thing that they posted was that Gus Malzahn is, uh, you know, not in the picture anymore, which it might be the case, but he's definitely been in contact with the Arkansas administration. He is very, very much on the hot seat over at Auburn if they lose to Alabama. I've got sources telling me that the Gus Malzahn era is going to be over at Auburn if they lose to Alabama this weekend, which is very likely. Not that Auburn isn't a good team, it's just that Alabama coming off a loss to LSU a couple weeks ago. They're, they're going to want to stomp Auburn to death, basically. Uh, but, you know, Gus Malzahn is a very interesting option just because he's proven that he can win ball games in the SEC, but he hasn't quite taken his team to that next level. Uh, Arkansas doesn't really need to be at a championship level. They just need to get competitive again. So I would consider it, but uh, it would pretty much divide the fan base. I don't know how much it would be divided. A lot of people say that it's the uh, the loud minority that say they don't want Gus Malzahn, but it's impossible to tell based on Twitter because everyone that comments is just like, no, we're not doing Gus Malzahn. Another guy they mention is Hugh Freeze, and I had heard that you know Hunter Yerchik would consider Hugh Freeze, but it would be a very, very tough sell to the board uh, and the administration. So I don't expect that to happen. But some other stuff that I've heard recently was that for the Florida State job, it's uh, you know Mike Norvell, Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Uh, that's been a name that's been thrown around since the FSU job opened up. And then Matt Campbell, who is the Iowa State head coach, who's done a fantastic job with that program that Arkansas would also like. And I heard that Matt Campbell would probably jump at the opportunity to come to Arkansas. But the weird thing with him is that he hasn't really coached much in the South. And for Arkansas, you need to have those recruiting ties or it might be very, very tough to put up very good recruiting classes and be able to compete year after year in the SEC. Another guy that we've been talking about today on Hogbeat is Justin Fuente, the uh, Virginia Tech head coach who actually turned Memphis around for Mike Norvell and then went over to Virginia Tech and did the same thing there. He was the ACC Coach of the Year in 2016, the first year that he took over Virginia Tech. So he's done a lot for that program, but he's already getting paid a good amount of money. So it would be interesting to see what Arkansas would end up paying him if he were the guy. He has a 2021 quarterback that I really like out of Houston North Shore, uh, Demetrius Davis, already committed. So if he was to be the next head coach at Arkansas, I could see how perhaps Demetrius Davis would be coming with, and that would be great. Uh, but 
Chandler Morris is taking an official visit to Virginia Tech this weekend. So that is quite interesting. This whole thing, I mean, everyone's got a source. Everybody knows someone who's heard something. It's pretty crazy, but we try to post everything we hear on the trough. So I definitely recommend getting in there. Hunter Yurchek made a statement yesterday saying that he's conducting the search with the utmost secrecy, basically, and he appreciates the patience of the fan base. It's in the greatest interest for the search to uh, keep things confidential, even though there's already an abundance of speculation. Yesterday, it was Houston Nutt saying that he'd been in touch with the administration, even though to my understanding, it was more about getting his take on who should be the next head coach of the University of Arkansas. Uh, Lane Kiffin kind of dispelled some rumors this week by tweeting at first he followed some Arkansas fans and then he tweeted at some saying that, uh, I don't know, you've never been to Boca if you think I want to come to Arkansas. Not exactly in those words, but basically that's what he said. So a lot of smoke going on right now. It's not really clear who's at the top of the list, but I would suspect you know, it's some combination of, of Gus Malzahn, uh, Mike Norvell, Matt Campbell, and some of the other top guys out here. You know, we have a whole hot board on hogbeat.com, so you can go find that, find out all the stuff you want to learn about. Uh, I did a profile on Mike Leach this week. Mike Leach is one of my favorite candidates for the job. I honestly have not heard if he has been in contact with the Arkansas administration I hope he would have been because what he did at both Texas Tech and Washington State has been incredible. Each year that he was at Texas Tech, he took them to bowl games. Uh, Washington State, while they're having a bad season right now, they've been ranked in the top 10 before, and they have the number one passing offense in the nation. When you have that, your defense doesn't have to be as good. Uh, However, Mike Leach hasn't ever recruited at a top, top level like he would have to at Arkansas. And initially, he might not have all the pieces that he would need, although I kind of feel like he could go out. The key, the absolute key, would be finding a very good quarterback. Um, Without that, obviously, the air raid is not very useful. But his coaching tree is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, he, He coached Cliff Kingsbury, Graham Harrell over at USC, um, TCU's Sonny Cumbie. He coached with Lincoln Riley, Sonny Dykes, Dana Holgerson. So all these coaches come from the How Mummy tree, and um, I think he'd be a great option. But of course, he's got that mouth where you, you never know what's going to come out of Mike Leach's mouth. Like I said, there are tons of information on hogbeat.com, and you can also go to the trough and see what everyone's talking about every single day. Coming up, we're going to talk about basketball, which right now is the most exciting thing happening on the Hill, and a little bit of recruiting, including a big decision coming up this weekend. All right, all right, all right, everybody. Let's keep this thing moving. Let's talk about the most exciting thing happening on the Hill these days, and that is Eric Musselman and his Arkansas Razorbacks. They are 4-0 on the season, hosting 5-0 South Dakota on Friday night. 
that game is at 8 p.m., so make sure you, you know, try to keep your peepers awake for that one. It's going to be streaming once again. That is almost over. Games are almost being televised, so I know a lot of people have a lot of complaints about that because the streams have been pretty low quality, but you can always find Arkansas game coverage on the trough on Hogbeat. The biggest storyline of the week has been that South Dakota leads the NCAA in three-point field goal percentage with 51.1%. Meanwhile, Arkansas ranks third in the NCAA in three-point field goal percent defense at 11.6%. That is being played up big time. While I do think it will be a big factor, I'd probably take Isaiah Joe over anybody any day. Joe leads the Razorbacks with 20.5 points per game, and he had a slow first half against Texas Southern, but then came out and ended up scoring 33 with six three-pointers in the second half. So all it took was a little bit of shaking it off, and it worked out for him. Now we just need Desi Sills to do the same because Desi is a whopping, I want to say, 0 for 16 so far this season. So he really... Needs to shake that off. He's probably bringing the Razorbacks' three-point percentage down right now. It's at 28%. Uh, The Hogs overall are scoring 75 points per game and holding teams to 45 points per game, giving them a 30-point margin so far this season through four games. I think that's going to be a huge factor in this game because while South Dakota has been scoring 79 points per game, their defense is not that great, so... All Arkansas has to do is go shot for shot. Their defense will come up with probably more stops than South Dakota will. So I don't have too many worries for this team on Friday night. But then again, any given day, any team can win. So don't hold me to that. Uh, The South Dakota Coyotes have a 6'10 player. So obviously he's going to outsize any Razorback that Eric Musselman can play. with eligibility. He's 6'10", he's a redshirt senior. Their starting lineup is junior, senior, 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 senior. So they have a lot of experience on the roster, but all of Arkansas's players have played at a high level before, so I'm not too worried about that. Tyler Hagdorn, Hagdorn, however you say it, he's got 9.4 points per game, so that's pretty good. Adriel Bailey is going to have his work cut out for him Luckily, he's got Reggie Chaney to help him out. He's back. He had a he had a decent game the other night, but the biggest takeaway for me was that he had four steals. So he was active. He was always in the right place. That's what Eric Musselman said. As far as Mason Jones goes, the junior from DeSoto, Texas, he is still second on the team in points per game, 18.3, but he had a bad game against Texas Southern that ended up getting him benched. Here's what Eric Musselman had to say about Mason and what they're trying to do to encourage more leadership out of him. I uh, felt like he needed to be a little bit more focused on both ends of the floor and from defensive assignment stuff. And, and then the team's playing well. And so when you're playing well, sometimes you roll with those guys. Well, not sometimes. I'm always going to roll with whoever's playing well and whoever's playing with a ton of energy and a lot of enthusiasm. You know, he'd love to play as many minutes as possible, which means 40 minutes. Um, but he's been great. We, uh, he and I talked yesterday after practice, and um, you know, I, now that he's you know four games into his junior year, you know, we need leadership from him, not just to be a good player. <clears throat> Obviously, he is a good player. We all know that. Um, you know, I think the next step in his progress is 
is uh, is to become a leader, and and uh, you know that's part of our job as coaches. That you know, there's a lot of people that say, well, this guy's a natural born leader and all that. Well, yes, some guys are. I think that that's true. But then there's other guys that would, you know, with nurturing and talking to them, and you know, you got to explain, you know, what the true meaning of leadership is. Um, and and a lot of these guys are still learning stuff. So as I'm still learning too. This game is yet another matchup between Eric Musselman and a coach that he has worked with before. South Dakota head coach Todd Lee actually coached with Eric Musselman in the CBA for the Rapid City, Rapid City Thrillers. That's hard to say. In the two years that they worked together from 1992 to 94, Rapid City led the CBA and wins both seasons per the Arkansas media notes because I did not look that up. But... Uh, this is now the second game in a row where Eric Musselman has to coach against one of his former staff mates. So that should be a nice little interesting tidbit. But overall, not too concerned. I hope fans get out to Bud Walton. It's been a little bit dead in there the past couple games. But, you know, a Tuesday night game against Texas Southern, that's not something you really want to leave the couch for if you don't have to. But, again, this game is not streaming online. So oh, It's streaming online, but it's terrible quality. So you got to get into Bud Walton if you can. If not, uh, wait for next game against Georgia Tech. That game will be streamed on the ACC network. These two games have big, big potential to put Arkansas in the top 25. I honestly think, uh, given their Ken Palm rating at number 24 uh, and, the, and the few votes that they're getting for the top 25 already, uh, I could see them definitely getting in there and squeaking in if they beat South Dakota and Georgia Tech on Monday. It's a big weekend for Arkansas basketball. After Georgia Tech, they'll have five days off before they play Northern Kentucky. Moving on to recruiting, which thankfully does not have a lot of activity right now given there's no head football coach. Um, I would be swamped if there was. Uh, Jalen Williams, center from Fort Smith, Arkansas, 6'9", 210-pound center. He will be making his huge decision between Arkansas and Auburn on Saturday. Last I checked with him, he does not have a set time for his decision, so you'll just have to keep your eyes locked on his Twitter account. He plans to release a commitment video. Uh, Arkansas is the heavy leader right now. They hold all the future casts and crystal ball picks, but Bruce Pearl did go check out Jalen Williams on Tuesday night, watched him play. So uh, I don't think that means anything in terms of you know, maybe making a last-second steal. But uh, Chris Moore, you know, obviously committed to Auburn last weekend. That was not a total surprise, but it was a little bit of a surprise that it was Auburn. So hopefully Jalen doesn't go that way. Last I heard from him, he sounded like he was all Arkansas. Uh, but we'll, we'll see on Saturday. I'm, I'm feeling confident about that. If I change my mind, you will hear about it on Thanksgiving, K.K. Robinson, who is also an Arkansas native who plays at Oak Hill in Virginia, he will make his decision. Bet the he will make his decision between Arkansas and Kansas on Thanksgiving. So that's another big decision. I think Arkansas leads. He has postponed his decision. He was originally supposed to commit a couple weeks after his official visit, but wanted to do it when he was back home for Thanksgiving with his family. So I feel like Arkansas definitely definitely leads for both of those rivals 154 stars.
it has been very, very impressive what Eric Musselman and his staff have been able to do with this 2020 class in such a short amount of time. It looked like Mike Anderson did not have a very strong hold on any of these in-state players, but now, uh, with the exception of Chris Moore, it seems like he has a very strong hold on all of these guys, and he has made Arkansas a program to want to come play for, especially playing the kind of defense that they're playing, about to be ranked probably, hopefully. Um, All those factors are really shaping up to... I don't want to put too many high expectations on Eric Musselman, but there's a very good chance he could have a top 10 recruiting class in his first year at Arkansas, and that is incredibly impressive. Before we go, guys, I want to get to your questions really quick. I just realized that I might have answered a bunch during the episode, but there were still some other good ones. Um, Scott Bailey asked me, how's your dog after the ibuprofen incident? Uh, If you saw on Twitter, my dog may have ate a few ibuprofen who knows? He didn't. He's totally fine. So thank you for asking. Uh, someone else asked, uh, Nate Sherwood asked, Trailer, Step, and Lunny, do you think we keep any of them or is it totally up to the next coach? I do think it's up to the next coach. I think they would highly consider keeping Barry Lunny as well as the other two, but it's unlikely that they'd have that many positions that they don't already have guys in mind for. Um Hunter Yurichek is keeping things close to the chest. Uh, Austin Simmons asked, but who do you think is the number one person we should be reaching out to this job? Uh, We talked about it earlier. I think it's Mike Norvell. I think he's a great choice. Um, I also think there are other guys out there. I think there are a lot of guys that could potentially do this job, but it's going to be tough, so you have to find the right personality. Um, And I you might go in the opposite direction of Chad Morris. So maybe you go Mike Leach, a guy who talks too much, says too many things, doesn't shut his mouth. Anyways, um, what's my take on Gabe Osaboyan getting reinstated while Vanover has to sit? Well, that sucks. Uh, Eric Musselman addressed that today, and he made it sound like Arkansas worked a lot with Gabe to get him immediately eligible, and maybe Cal did not work so much with Connor Vanover to make that happen. Uh One last one, I'm going to go with uh, Thanksgiving side dish. I'd probably go with mashed potatoes and gravy. Can't go wrong with that, but I love them all. My mom makes a fantastic green bean casserole. Before we close out, just want to give a final plug for Hogbeat. You can find all the football, basketball, recruiting coverage, and baseball once Hutch gets back from paternity leave. You can find all that on Hogbeat. Right now, you can get one of two really great deals, you can either take 50% off, so 50 bucks off a $100 subscription, and we will send you a $50 gift card to the Rivals Fan Shop. You can get Arkansas gear, whatever kind of Nike gear you want, or you can get 25% off, and then we will reimburse you basically with a $75 gift card to Adidas, which is pretty sweet. I love Adidas kicks. Uh, all that information, promo codes, all that you can find on hogbeat.com. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you listening. Tune in next week. Got a big game against Missouri coming up at War Memorial Stadium, and we'll be bringing you all the action from practice and lots more. Thanks, everybody.